Oh boy, do we have fun on this episode for you guys. I think you're going to really enjoy it. We're talking about spirituality and I hit her with a hard question right from the get-go and River does not disappoint. Plus, we start the podcast off a little um, different today, which is all good. We are having fun with this and we hope you enjoy this episode. Have a great day, all Hi to my fun friend. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, River. <laughs> I like that song. <laughs> you like my song? <laughs> I love your song. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so you kind of came up with a fun topic today. What are we going to discuss? I think we should talk about our spiritual journeys and some of the modalities and just tools we've used along the way that have helped us in our spiritual growth. I love it. Um, because I mean, honestly, you've taught me most of it. So it's great. Like you and you and some other friends. I mean, like, I just feel really lucky, but I'm, I'm in it. Like I love spirituality and I don't know. Are you, a, are you, do you like believe in God? I mean, we can start there a little bit. Just, I'm curious. Oh shit. You're going deep right off the bat. <laughs> so funny. Cause I, I've actually been having this conversation with my kids recently um, because their other side of the family is very conservative Mormon. Um, and they're getting exposed to a lot. My kids went to a baptism like out in the woods for the first Whoa. time ever a couple of weeks ago. And <laughs> I, yeah, they had a lot of questions when they came back. <laughs> They're like, why are these people in white uh, outfits in the water getting dunked? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your, your, son was, your son was probably like, I want to get dunked. <laughs> <laughs> they were so, they were just like, what, what is this mom? And, and um, I am not religious and I don't believe in the white heterosexual patriarchal version of God. Yeah. Um, that they're being exposed to. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just don't believe in like a lot of Christianity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that there's a higher power. But yeah. for me, that higher power looks like, a collective energy. Mm-hmm. It's not this one figurehead who's dictating everything and, and pulling the strings. It's a collective energy. It's an energy mm-hmm. base. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have a gender. Mm-hmm. It, it just is. It exists. And mm-hmm. we're all part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to explain that to a five-year-old and an eight-year-old <laughs> who have just watched someone put on a white robe and get ducked in a river is very interesting. <laughs> I bet <laughs> my my eight-year-old bless her heart. She she doesn't she doesn't believe in God either. And um she's very like me when I was her age. And she uh she goes, Mom, that just seems really silly. And I believe in Mother Nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so my my eight-year-old's running around at a baptism telling other kids that she doesn't believe in God and she believes in Mother Nature, and they're just like, whoa. <laughs> whoa yeah <laughs> and, me, and i'm like yes <laughs> i'm sorry you're winning at parenting in that moment yes <laughs> i love it I so love that was a it. long answer to uh, no no i don't believe in god yeah just, just curious um you know i grew up jewish mm-hmm. and for whatever it is because again i've i love to read and i've always loved to read even when i found out i was dyslexic i had to like work on really learning how to read properly. Um, there is a lot of Jewish people that have have folded over into Buddhism. Like Ooh, interesting. A lot of, like a lot of female nuns were actually Jewish. Really? Yeah. So my Ooh. mom always called me like a Jew bood because I love Buddhism. <laughs> so it's like she called me this little Jew bood. But and That's I have cute. a Buddha. I have a Buddha. My first tattoo is a Buddha on my back, mm. like a little happy Buddha. Um, I'll have Kaden take a picture of it for you one of these days. But um, yeah, I. Uh, it's one of these things where, so, I don't typically. I don't believe in like what God, like a God. Also, I believe in like a goddess or a, the spiritual realm. 
where I think I value, I value knowing that there's something bigger than us out there that, um, and I'm all for religion. I'm, I'm literally like, I love that people believe in something. I have a hard time with atheists and like not believing in a single thing, though I honor their decision. Um, I just feel like people, if they don't believe in something, are become a little too egocentric then. Like if they mm. just think that they just landed here and that's it. Like, you know what I mean? They're just doing their thing, which is fine. But I just feel like I, I think you have to believe in something bigger than us. Otherwise... I don't know. And then there's the extremist, of course, of all religion. Mm -hmm. Like that's where it's dangerous, where it's just an extremist of anything. Yeah. Because religion itself is beautiful. Yeah. And I was going to chime in there and say, you know, as someone who grew up in a cult and has experienced a wide Mm -hmm. variety of religions from Southern Baptist to Buddhism to spirituality Mm -hmm. and, you know, all the in between. And I studied world religion in college. Um, I think that religion is a helpful tool (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um you know at the heart of each religion Mm -hmm. there is a similar message Mm -hmm. um and so i don't think it really matters what religion you believe in Mm -hmm. i think what matters is is your religious beliefs causing you to harm other people yes in the practice of it Mm-hmm. So, so for example, like, are your religious beliefs causing you to shut people out in your life, mm-hmm. to not speak to your family members, mm-hmm. to have conflict with them? Yeah. Are you not engaging with your community? Are you excluding your community? Mm-hmm. Um, are people being hurt in the process of your beliefs? Um, are you, you know, are you being racist? Are you being um discriminatory like Mm -hmm. all of these things that is when religious or religion becomes harmful and that's where it's a problem i don't think religion as a as a practice as a whole is harmful it's how human beings use it and interact with it right and i mean the way that it's sort of shown up for me obviously being a lesbian right being gay Mm -hmm. is where the church wants to get involved and actually put money into literally commercials about how bad it is being gay. Like mm-hmm. that again, that's, it is harmful to a whole society of the LBGTQ community. And it just, it's not very Christ-like, right? Like I love how they just use, Oh, well, Christ. Honestly, there's not a whole lot in, in these Bibles that talk about sinning other than, two boys together and they call it sodomy, but, um, but it's funny because there's nothing about two women in the Bible, but yet, <laughs> well, but yet it's like, <laughs> what the hell? Well, and it's like really realistically, it's interesting that we've come to this point in the conversation already. <laughs> Cause I feel like I've actually been having this conversation with, um, not only a couple of individuals that I'm coaching right now, um, and kind of unpacking their religious beliefs, but, um, it's come up Quite a bit actually in conversation lately about the Bible specifically and like religious texts. And and the thing that um I think is really important to remember is that religious texts are written by humans. Mm-hmm. And they have a cultural context mm-hmm. and a historical context, a political mm-hmm. context. And um historically most of them are written by men. And let's look at when they were written. Mm-hmm. Like a and gazillion that, years like, ago. And, and not only that, but like the Bible specifically has been translated and retranslated. Um, there were actually, um, I don't know, like a lot of people don't recognize this or realize this, but there are actually chapters of the Bible that were left out during certain translations that were written by women. Um, and those are fascinating to read. So there's like the, the Bible. Oh, I, has, might, I might have to check that out. I've never heard that. Yeah, I'll send you some info on it. Okay, um, it's cool. fascinating. So, so you know, we'll put and, it in the each, show notes. Let's put it yeah. in the show notes. And and each church, or like our each like um, sect of religion, has you know translated it. And I, I hate I hesitate to use the word manipulated, but like essentially manipulated it to fit their needs. Mm-hmm. And so, 
who knows what the original Bible <laughs> actually right. looks no, like and, and what it point. actually contained. You know, it's so convoluted by humanity. Mm-hmm. God. But, you know, I felt like it's a good start to our spirituality conversation because I think it's important to understand sort of where we both come from in that space. Yeah. Yeah. When did you when did you start finding yourself really fascinated by spirituality, like and just different modalities or what what things were resonating for you at that time? From a very early age. Yeah. Um, it's such a weird juxtaposition that I grew up in a cult, but also my parents were at the same time very fascinated by um, my mother in particular, were very fascinated by um, things like Reiki and energy healing. Yeah. And so I was exposed to it as a child, um, but then also grew up in a super like heavily conservative religious cult. So it's mm-hmm. a really interesting mix. I um, I so I I've always had an interest in it. Um, I knew from a very very early age that I was not Christian. I knew mm-hmm. that. Um, I was actually talking with a friend about this the other day. Um, of remembering being at like four or five years old, and you know, in a lot of Christian churches, especially Baptist, we were Baptist at that point in time. Um, it's very common for children to, you know, accept Jesus into their hearts and have this like <laughs> ceremonial thing mm-hmm. around it where you get you get rebaptized and it's like the child making the choice of welcoming God into their life and becoming a Christian and all of that. Um, and I told my mom, I was like, I'm welcoming Jesus into my heart. But I very consciously was like, no, I, I don't know anything about this Jesus dude, but I do want the party and the cake that comes with it. <laughs> <laughs> the party and the cake. <laughs> yeah, so I got rebaptized and I got to oh. have a little party and ice cream cake from Dairy Queen. <laughs> oh my god. So I think what you need to do with your kids tomorrow or when you when you get them back this week is go take them to a little lake and just say, "Hey, we're all just going to dunk and then go get ice cream." <laughs> baptized in mother nature to, to mother nature <laughs> exactly we're baptized but i don't know maybe make them a couple of little bracelets like and they could just like you know oh. a little some green bracelets that rec- represent or like little flowers oh my gosh they would love that <laughs> they would so love it it, it just <laughs> seems like something fun you guys could do totally but but going back to the question um you know I also, as a young child, um, was a very big reader. I was reading. Mm. Um, I was at college level, um, reading levels. I got tested. So I was homeschooled um, by the time I was nine years old, and I was reading college level material. Um, and so my dad, who's also an avid reader, just exposed me to a lot of different types of books and his Mm -hmm. history and we just like Mm -hmm. he really encouraged that and so Mm -hmm. you know I would go to the public library with my family and here we walk in these six homeschool kids you know looking all religious and everything and I'm walking out with like 30 books on like Egyptian mythology and the Roman gods and (laughs) witchcraft and like as I like as I grew up I would like bring home books about feng shui and I'd spend like three days doing feng shui in my bedroom god I was so (laughs) into feng shui back in the like early 90s it was so great yeah and astrology um Mm -hmm. you know I I can remember being as young as 10 11 years old and how someone gave me um rune stones like crystal rune stones and a book about them um, and so I would be practicing with those. And I had like a witchcraft book um, that had some spells in it that I'd be like writing down these spells and doing these spells. And like, of course, I didn't have all the ingredients, but I would do my best with it. <laughs> so I was very much exposed to a lot of that and allowed to study that mm-hmm. on my own uh, because we were what was called, what's called now is like unschooled. So we were homeschooled, mm-hmm. but like there's not like a set curriculum or mm-hmm. any of that. We're completely just left to our own devices and pursued what we were interested in. So I had a very interesting childhood in that regard. And it really brought me to a space growing up where a lot of these spiritual tools are just mm-hmm. so familiar to me, mm-hmm. which caused an interesting thing to happen for like, mm-hmm. From the time I was about like 
16, 17, and I got kicked out of the cults and all of that to, I'd say probably at my, about my mid twenties is I took a giant step back from all of that mm-hmm. because I, in some way associated it with religious values because that's, I had been exposed to religious values and spirituality at the same time, um, that I didn't trust it mm, even though I was drawn okay. to it. So that then in the last couple, I'd say probably the last five, six years, I've really deep dived into my relationship with that mm-hmm. and reestablished. Yeah. You, and you, are you enjoying it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It just I makes sense. To, it just makes sense to me. You know, mm-hmm. it, it always has, it's always resonated for me since I was a child. Um, yeah. So what are you digging into these days? Like what modalities do you love the most so far? Oh, well, th- cause there's a pl- there's a lot that obviously we, there's a lot out there that we haven't touched on yet, but just because of timing, having kids, like all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, what what do you dig in? Um, so I think probably the tool that I use, the tools that I use the most for myself. Um, I really love tarot cards. Mm-hmm. I really love my tarot cards and oracle cards. Those really speak to me. Um, I have a very deep relationship with them, especially in the last two years. That's really like, deepened. Um, <clears throat> and then. I really, really love sound healing. Mm. Um, sound therapy has been very impactful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with a sound therapist um, and I use a lot of the solfeggio sounds like, you know, the Hertz music mm-hmm. um, for meditation and just at different moments in my life. Um I'm an auditory press processor. So like mm-hmm. for me, talk therapy has never been super helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I write and mm-hmm. then I process things internally as I'm listening to sounds. So mm-hmm. for example, the first time I went to a sound therapy session, I had no idea what to expect. I'd never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and my absolutely lovely friend who does it, um, I walked into her studio and she started explaining it to me a little bit and I lay down and went into a meditative state and it just completely changed my life that first, mm. that first session I had. Did this, you have any, did you have visions and stuff? Yes, I did. Yes. I had a very intense vision um, and did some of my own like healing in that space around some things in my life. Um it's the kind of therapy for me therapies that work well for me are the ones that allow me to access myself and do my own healing versus someone Mm -hmm. else healing me. And Mm -hmm. sound therapy is really, really great for that. Mm -hmm. So you, so you'd recommend it to the people. Yes, definitely. And it's Mm -hmm. fun because I I found a good one. Um, Meetup is fantastic. Just like Mm. across the board, like for people who start to hear what we're talking about, Meetup has these great, I mean, these wonderful practitioners that are out there putting it out and like, not necessarily expensive, but like this Mm. one gal does sound healing um, uh, near me and she just offers like for donation, which is really cool. So I've invited, yeah, I've invited so many friends and she takes Venmo now, which is nice because I typically don't carry cash on me, but um, most of so us most way. of us don't. <laughs> and, and we'll and we'll end up giving her a little bit more if we can if we don't have you know, if we don't have cash on us it sucks. But yeah, so that's been really really cool to add. I agree with that that the sound really like you can feel it like tickling your your body. Yeah, it's you like, can feel it the vibrations. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. So the one one of the things I noticed my very first session was that different sounds cause you to react in different ways oh yeah mm-hmm. i'm and feeling so, that right now so, like literally so fascinating like on my very first and then and then as you do more sessions like the way you interact with a certain sound that triggered you a certain way before may not do the mm-hmm. same thing but my very first session uh actually no it was my second session i think i did with her um we i had this vision of someone i was going to be meeting 
Um, and I saw us like on the Oregon coast and I just kept hearing this like rain sound Mm. and I wanted to stay there. Like it kept pulling me back to this space. Mm -hmm. It kept pulling me back to this space. And at first I thought it was just like rain sound in my vision. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards she told me, she was like this once she's like, what was happening when you heard this sound? And like, she showed me what it was that she made the sound with. And I was like, Oh, that was the rain sound. And it kept pulling me back to this place. And it's so interesting because she could like energetically see and feel like what was kind of going on with me. And she's like, you kept drawing yourself back to this place, back to this place. So it's just so fascinating how certain sounds um, and frequencies can like bring things up for us. Yeah. The gong, when they do the gong during time, like that'll like, the first time I had it, it was like, it really shook me because I wasn't expecting it. And it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, and, but it like, like literally vibrated through my whole body or like the, the lower sounds or the drum and then the, like the closer, because I sometimes walk around the room Uh and it's really crazy cool. I, so I am Buddhist and we have monthly Buddhist meetings where we do, we chant together and even this, even the, like the frequency of the chanting mm-hmm. can really be like a healing experience for me of like hearing the people around me and their different frequencies chanting. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it can be, um, you can almost tell where someone's at by like the tone of their frequency <laughs> and how they're chanting, like energetically mm-hmm. where they're at. That's it's so fascinating to like feel everyone kind of like, kind of play off of each other in that and during the chanting it's fascinating you know the one thing that i found and through and luckily from you um you're like or maybe it was angela that first she's like go to youtube and you can find all this stuff on youtube and Mm -hmm. so of course i always want us to give our readers like really easy ways to start incorporating sound healing with the frequency sounds like you know what i'll put in the show notes also um a link to uh a frequency guide or something to that effect, because yeah, there's all these different frequencies. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. And, and then there's these wonderful, like, I love listening to Buddhist chanting, like Mm -hmm. monks. Sometimes that's really relaxing. If I'm just taking like one of my 15 minute power naps or power meditation, sometimes that'll get me in a deeper state in a, you know, in a, in a cool way. So it's fine. It's mm. just literal. It's literally trying new things to get you there. So meditation, you just said that. So like, yeah, med- yeah. meditate, talk about meditation for you. Like, what is your relationship with it? How did you find it? Like, what, what yeah. does it speak to you for you? So, so I have tried meditation throughout my whole life because, because I rev so high, um, I have so much energy that my therapists has, uh, have always told me and friends have always said like, Sometimes you just need to go quiet when you are so external, like, and, and such an extrovert and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it hasn't, it, I had a hard time with it. So then I used apps like Calm or Headspace and, you know, a lot of other apps, which are kind of nice. So for this last year, and it was really because of, you know, you and Shanti and other people in our life, like friends who have suggested more meditation to me. Um, and like really saying lean into it and I'm getting so much out of it now, but it Mm. takes, it takes a lot of intention to feel more comfortable. Like I can now have my own meditation moment with just music on or even quiet out in nature. Um, but every now and then I still really love the guided meditation because if because I, I travel too much out of my brain and then I have to like mm-hmm. pull myself back. So sometimes if it's 10, 15 minutes, it's like a, a guided one is nice because I'm just listening to them and I'm focused on their words, therefore focused in my breath and focused on relaxing and like how my body's reacting through it. Mm. How about you? Like what? So it's, it's new for me is what I'm saying. It's like, and it's a process and a yeah. new journey for me. Yeah, I love that. I uh, 
<laughs> I had a very kind of negative exp- um, relationship with meditation um, from childhood because it was something that my parents' um, church or the cult that we were in, it was something that they heavily promoted. Um, mm. But it was like meditation from like a religious aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- like as children, we would be told to like, they would gather us, you know, like if we were at someone's home, um, we would gather for doing meditation. We would sit for like an hour or two hours mm. and I have to listen to like, um, re- like guided religious meditations or just sit in silence. Mm. And when, <laughs> when you are a um nine-year-old or a 10-year-old who mm-hmm. it's summertime and you really just want to play with your friends and you're being forced mm-hmm. to sit in a circle with them in a living room in the summertime and it's hot and you have to meditate mm-hmm. and and you're also adhd and you don't know it <laughs> totally <laughs> holy crap torture. i can't even right i can't even imagine sure. at that moment you don't even know you have like all this adhd and you're like why can I not stay yeah. present? Yeah. Yeah. Because then it wasn't, it wasn't like a gentle thing either where, oh, you can't meditate, like take a break and come back or it's okay. <laughs> you're a kid and you shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't expect you to sit for an hour and meditate. Right, right. Um, it was no, like you get in trouble. And then, then at the end of it, we all had to like share our deep thoughts that came out. So like at me as a kid, I'm just making shit up. Right. I'm just like, yeah, I had this really uh-huh. deep, like recognition about like my sins and (laughs) oh my god I'm I'm just like making shit up because like even understand what meditation was you know like I have no clue and I wasn't actually Mm -hmm. watching my seeing my parents practice it it was just like a fad thing that our cult was doing and um (laughs) so I just had this like very negative like introduction to it and so So I basically who pooed it, you know, for most of my adulthood. Um, I would say probably about two, three years ago is really when Mm -hmm. I like shifted my relationship with it. And it's interesting because, um, being a, being neurodivergent and, um, Mm -hmm. trying to, um, experience meditation, it took time. It's taken time to get to a space where like I can actually drop in and Mm -hmm. really get quiet internally. It's a very intentional practice, but it's really helpful for me. And I find that it works the best for me when I'm out in nature, away from other people. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, I can't really do group meditations. I, it's mm-hmm. just, I'm picking up on too much around me. It's just, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. Um, so I have to be alone. And then I use guided meditations because I need something mm-hmm. to focus on and mm-hmm. focusing on someone speaking mm-hmm keeps my keeps me centered otherwise mm-hmm. i'm just going in a million different directions because of adhd brain. yeah yeah totally yeah that, no that makes yeah. perfect sense it isn't it isn't i mean like i had this really intense reiki session a few mm. weeks ago so that's another modality right that i've started mm-hmm. to like and before i mean even when i was married like she had a cert- certificate in reiki but like we never explored it more, but I thought hmm. it was always kind of cool because I just always liked massage. And I thought, what's the yeah. point of like going and laying somewhere and like not getting rubbed, right? Like <laughs> It's like, you know what I mean? Like, wait, they're not going to touch me? Like this sucks. <laughs> but now, but now it's like, because of this journey I've been on, I actually, it actually awoken my third eye and mm-hmm. I, I, again, this is super woo woo, but I have now been able to through work through like, you know, kind of trying it over and over, I can drop in now and I get these really interesting visions Mm -hmm. in my third eye. And at times during this last Reiki, it was intense. Like he was like, like I giggled when he was like above my heart and I Mm -hmm. had this whole vision of seeing my soul family and they smiled at me and I smiled, Mm. but he was, he happened to be over my heart. And sometimes I lift up, like, I don't even know I'm doing it, but like, like my body is like the soul is sort of like, you know, in there, Mm -hmm. but it's just all of that energy work. 
And tonight I'm going again. I'm really excited like to continue Ooh. to add this as part of, you know, as part of this new self-healing because there's some shit I, I definitely love that I come out of there and I just feel so relaxed and I feel like there's we're like kind of like a soul retrieval if if we talk about shamanic like with on our last podcast with Angela and I look mm-hmm. forward to even getting another shaman, like someone who's a who practices shaman you know is a shaman practicing shaman mm-hmm. I think it would be fun to to discuss and download more of that but I think I think there's a lot of um I think a lot of people are scared of spirituality and scared of like trying new things. And I really want to encourage, you know, and if, if anybody after this hearing this decides to do a Reiki session or decides to start practicing meditation or decides to um, call, uh, get a tarot reading or, you know, like, I want to hear about that because I, Mm -hmm. that's all I want to do, you know, within our podcast is like to help folks sort of say yes to more things for themselves. Like self-care can look like a lot of different things, but. Oh yeah. I I mean, there's, there's so many ways to do it too, you know? And I think one of the big reasons that people are often scared of it or intimidated by it is because for such a long time, there's been such a, like a mysticism around it. A stigma, but, yeah. A stigma, but now, but now we're starting to recognize, and science is starting to catch up to a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's you know, like Reiki, for example, is being taught in a lot of massage schools. You know, and mm-hmm. a lot of uh, medical practitioners are starting to acknowledge it and see a value in it, and energy work, and you know, like cranial sacral therapy. I mean. Our, my local therapy center, um, physical therapy center, we have two craniosacral therapists that my kids have worked with, and it's been extremely impactful for my kids and some of their medical issues. Can you describe that a little bit? I'm not as familiar with that. Yeah. So craniosacral therapy, I'm probably going to butcher it because that's it, fine. Just, you know, I'm sci- science. You can but, paraphrase um, it. <laughs> um, it's, it's basically, a, it's very similar to energy work, but you're working with the nerve system. Mm. And so you can use the nerve system to heal. So for example, um, my son, um, had a tongue tie at birth. Um, he, his tongue was too deeply attached. Um, and it caused a lot of issues for him around eating and around his digestive Mm. system. So we Mm. had to have his tongue tie released. Well, we went to a cranial sacral therapist through this process who helped him with his nervous system in healing this and then it helped his digestive system as well and so he went mm-hmm. from being super incredibly cranky and constipated all the time to mm-hmm. having regular bowel movements and being fairly calm um throughout the process of healing his tongue tie release Inter- um, that's interesting yeah and then even so my daughter who is autistic Mm-hmm. She has seen a cranial sacral therapist um, and it's really helped to calm down her nerve system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's been really helpful for her um, and it helps process trauma as well. So like mm-hmm. one of the things that my daughter experienced was that she had, a, we had a traumatic birth. Um, we had an emergency C-section and it was just very traumatic. Um, and we actually had this moment in cranial sacral therapy where um, as he was working with her nerve system, she rebirthed herself. And he even told me, he was like, this might happen. Um, he was like, I'm working with some of the trauma that she has stored in her body. She's like, he was like, you might see her like start doing some of these movements and she might slide off the table. He even had Mm. me like sit close so I could like catch her if this happened. And it did. And he was like, yeah, she just like released that trauma and she started sleeping better. And her some, of her some of her behaviors improved. Um, and so it's just fascinating. There's so much science behind it. But like my point is, is that science is starting to catch up with a lot of these, you know, what we consider alternative therapies. What do you what do you think of tapping? Because it feels like tapping kind of sets is a regulation thing as well, right? It is. I, I don't, I haven't deep dive tapping for yeah, myself. I haven't either. Yeah. Um, be, being ADHD, I, ha- I have a lot of things that I do that are kind of similar to <laughs> tapping that are kind of like 
stimulation regulation mm-hmm. things. So I think it's kind of similar in a way, but mm-hmm. I haven't like actually gone into tapping for myself. Um, yeah. But another thing that I love, I do float tanks. Ooh, I haven't done one yet. Oh, I bought a Groupon in Portland for one for a float place. And then we moved and COVID and all that. And it just expired. But uh, you know what? I've been wanting to do that. So guess what? I'm going to research a place around here. And I am going to say yes to a float tank this week. Um, what do you love about it? Flo- float tank is very spiritual for me. Um, mm. the is first it because of the time- water? That water thing? Um, well, it's, so it's, you know, you float, like you don't go yeah. underwater at all. Um, so it feels very comfortable. It feels, it feels like you're literally like, you're just like floating on a cloud. Um, mm-hmm. and it's usually, it's, it's very dark. Um, mm-hmm. and so for me being neurodivergent, it kind of like, t- it's, and it's soundproof. And so like, it basically takes away all the external stimulation Mm. for me and it helps my body very much just relax and calm and I don't realize how much I'm being overstimulated by external noises um energy all of that until I do something like a float tank um Mm -hmm. because it just gets so quiet (laughs) so I was just on this call prior with um oak moon tarot who's she's Mm. Danielle she's amazing we're going to so have her on the, the podcast, right? Yeah, we are totally. I mean, she is so freaking awesome. She's out of Austin, really cool tarot reader, very intuitive. Um, she's leaning into Enneagrams and, you know, so it's kind of fascinating. And the question that she asked me was, how do I like solitude? Mm. And I was, I was really going through all these different new things that I do for solitude. And one of them that I want to say yes to very soon is a dark room experience, a black room experience. Mm. So I think, I think doing a float tank for me will be a really nice step into that to see how I feel about, you know, that, but I think because um, I'm wired and I am like, I have so much high energy that, I mean, if it's dark, I'm literally asleep. Like I just, Mm. you know, if I put a mask on even for like a 30 minute power nap, like, it does me good. I just haven't experienced what it would feel like to be in the dark for like a day or two, but I am very open and curious to it because, mm. because I'm no longer afraid of being by myself in a sense of being with myself. I shouldn't say, cause I like being by myself, but being with myself. That is so important because some of these things can be so uncomfortable for people who aren't able to be with themselves, mm-hmm. to sit with themselves and to, and to hold space for whatever comes up because it's like the minute you take away external stimulation mm-hmm. and you are quiet or it's mm-hmm. dark, you are with yourself. Mm-hmm. You are with yourself. Um, and you're also with the higher power. You're also with the collective. You're also tapping mm-hmm. into whatever it is that is exists outside of us but is also a part of us yeah i think and that can be I terrifying did, yeah <laughs> it can be because i think i think for so many years i mean i would i loved being in nature but i was kind of using my phone for photography and like there's a lot of fun things that you can do with yourself you're still by yourself and you're enjoying the aspect but you're also taking pictures and there's like activities but what if you take all of that out, like being in the float tank, as you described, and and some of the float tanks, just from pictures I've seen, like they sometimes even have like LED lighting in there, right? Mm-hmm. But do you yeah, but like, you can, do you, you like, can turn off. Yeah, you can good. turn that okay. off. Okay, I was curious, because so, I might try it black. Like, I really want to yeah, go Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating. I didn't know what to expect the first time. And they even told me, they're like, hey, you know, if you fall asleep, don't worry. It's totally normal to fall asleep. Um, the meditative state you're in, we have a music that comes on when the float is mm. over and you'll hear it through the water. You'll hear it mm-hmm. and it will wake you back up. And I was like, oh, I don't know, like maybe, I'm, and I was so worried to fall asleep. 
But every single time I do a float tank, I do. About halfway through, I fall asleep. And it Mm. is the most restorative nap. I'm not a napper, but it is the most restorative nap I've ever experienced. And it does. As soon as the music comes on, I'm like, my body and my brain just start like coming back. And it's just like very um, gentle and it's not like a rough transition or anything like that. And most float tank places, like they will offer you like tea and water and a space, oh, like a lovely. space where you can just like sit and chill out afterwards, just to kind of like process and like get back I'm to your normal to state. Yeah. yeah. I think you, I think you like it. Um, but you know, you were talking about like being with yourself out in nature that kind of just mm-hmm. brought up a thought for me. You know, I sure. recently went, you know, I recently went on a two-week solo road trip. Yeah. Um, and um, there is such a power, like, you know, we're sitting here talking about all these things that you can do. And a lot of them are things that you pay for, right? Experiences that you pay for. But there are so many other things that you can do as well. And and just being with yourself in nature is something that you can do that you don't really have to pay a lot of money for, you know, like well, maybe gas to well, get there. Um, and so well, for d- me... Like, what yeah. I was going to say is like the cool thing of you being in nature probably is, and especially if you're camping, a lot of those places, you don't have access to phone, right? So yeah, that's what I was going to say. So like, okay. The yeah, experience yeah. of like being in the dark, being by yourself, mm-hmm. um, external things shut off. Like, so I went to um, Leavenworth, Washington at the start of my two week solo road trip and I went and I camped outside of Leavenworth by myself and the campsite had, there was no cell phone reception. So just me at a campsite, beautiful campsite, (laughs) no cell phone reception. I don't have my computer. I can't watch a show. Mm -hmm. Literally all I can do is read and write and be in nature. And then the next day I went and I hiked up to Colchuck Lake, um, which Mm -hmm. is a glacier lake. Um, and it's a nine mile round trip hike over a very steep elevation gain. Mm -hmm. And I was on the trail by myself for about, I think I, I, about six hours in total. Mm. Um, and I of course ran into a few other people, but I started super early in the morning and it was just me most of the time. Mm. And there is something so meditative and so healing about being entirely by yourself in Mm -hmm. nature Mm -hmm. and not relying on your phone and not relying Mm -hmm. on something stimulating you Mm -hmm. just being present with yourself and there were a lot of moments on the trail where I was swearing I was like fuck this fuck that (laughs) (laughs) why did I decide to do this Um, (laughs) self-talk but yeah but it was such a beautiful experience and when I got off the trail mm-hmm. I felt you so much you. more empowered and I felt yeah. so much more connected to myself and so much more mm-hmm. aware of my own abilities and I had conquered some fears around around solo hiking because I'm not afraid to solo hike per se but that was a the longest solo hike I'd done by myself and the most intense hike I had done by myself before um but it gave me so much confidence that here I am planning my next solo hiking trip and I'm doing mm-hmm. a 15, a 15 mile solo backpacking trip in a couple of Love weekends. Um, so that can be a really beautiful way. Beautiful. To like, like get to know yourself spiritually, being in again, nature and doing those kinds ab- of things. Absolutely. And all you need is a good pair of shoes and hydration and, you know, all the things that go with being out in nature. Because let's just do that safety PSA. Like, don't just park your car. Yeah, please. And tell people where you're going to be. Like, I loved when you texted me and you're like, okay, going off grid. um, I'll call you tomorrow after my, like, you told me where your hike was. And so God forbid anything happened. And I didn't hear from you by a, you know, whatever time. Exactly. Um, Use your safety. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So tell people where you're going to be and. Don't say that we told you that you should just go out (laughs) on a nine mile (laughs) hike without any snacks or, you know, hydration and plan for God forbid you get lost. Plan for getting lost. Always plan for being lost. So have a flashlight with you and be prepared. 
be prepared yeah. and look, you know, look up the basics of hiking safety and preparation. That's <laughs> very important. Okay. So let's look at this. So like, there's going to be a lot of people who like for free. So like free is hiking and being, or just parking and going and walking half, you know, into the trees, tree line for a little bit, bring a chair, sit on a log. So that's free. You can yeah, meditate go, for go free with like YouTube. A- yeah, go to like an overlook. Like maybe there's an overlook yeah. near you for a good view. Just go park there yeah. and bring a camping. And you chair can do it too. Sit. Yeah, and you can yeah. and you can sit in quiet, or you can sit and listen to a, a meditation. You know, like yeah. you can do two things. Um, so I think there is a lot of really fun stuff. So what what modalities? Like, okay, so I said yes to the float tank. What are you going to maybe say yes to that you haven't tried yet? That maybe this year. Hmm. That is such a great question. I haven't really had anything on my radar. I feel like I've tried so many things. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, I'm kind of in this space of like really deepening into my solo adventures. Mm-hmm. Like for me, that's really the space I'm in. Like I said, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about to embark on this 15 mile solo backpacking trip. Um, when are you going to do that? Um, that's going to be the first weekend of September. So it's coming up so pretty soon. So when I'm up there, cause I'm coming up that way. <laughs> Come backpack with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, seriously. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do it. We'll do a podcast yeah. out there. Heck yeah. It's a beautiful glacier lake. So, or not glacier lake, but mountain lake. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. So that's really kind of, you know, and I did my two weeks solo travel and um, I'm actually in the process of starting to plan a solo trip to Amsterdam. And I am, yeah. And so like really kind of like leaning into, um, I'm in a, I'm in a space where I'm really comfortable Mm -hmm. being by myself. Mm Mm-hmm. I enjoy my own company. Mm-hmm. I love traveling. I love doing these things by myself. So really kind of my spiritual practice right now is, is taking that to the next step. Mm-hmm. Doing all the things I wanted to do when I was younger, like in my 20s, mm-hmm. I would have loved to have done like a backpacking trip around Europe. Mm-hmm. But I was so afraid of being by myself. And people told me or filled my head with like all of these narratives around women traveling by themselves and like how dangerous it was and all of that, um, that I just really held myself back. And so, and I didn't do any of those things. So now Mm -hmm. I'm doing those things. What's that Spanish one? Is it called the El Camino? (laughs) Oh, so funny you said that. The Camino de Santiago. Yes. Yeah. I have I'm down I'm down for that friends. by the way. I, I want to go. two friends who uh-huh. we should actually maybe have one of them on the podcast to talk about that because um She's she done it. has done it. Mm-hmm. Nice. And yep, she um single woman and she did it and her experience of it was just so beautiful. Um that's been kind of on my radar a little bit like maybe doing Me a too. pilgrimage. There's um there's a couple of cool movies on it too, The Walk and and something else, but it's it seems I'm I'm ready for that type of stuff. Like I started a new kind of therapy, which again I said yes to, right? Like mm. for more somatic and EDMR and kind of figuring out um just through this journey, like having you or other friends just call me out on stuff like what why can't I get angry or why can't Mm. I blah, blah, blah. And so like leaning into some of that. And I think uh, doing these longer walks and like you said, like challenging yourself out in nature and staying out there a little longer or, or being in a dark room, I think for me is going to be a really important part of that self-care self-love journey because I'm kind of beyond the regular, like you were saying, talk therapy. Like we're just to the point now where it's got to, there's got to be like a real intention behind everything that we bring into our life. Like Reiki now is bringing in more of helping me get to more of that meditative state that Mm, I want to, that I mm -hmm. really want to develop. And, and some of those gifts that sort of come around that, which are visions and 
leaning more into trusting what I see is actually something that's valuable and interesting. And now we have people to share that with. Like when I shared my vision the other day with Bailey, um, who's so amazing, a light worker, angel worker, like I cannot wait to have her on here because yeah. I have so many questions for her. <laughs> yeah. Um, that light talk, you know, that, that her, her interesting chatter, right. That interesting yeah. language that she uses. What is it? Light language. Is that what it's called? The light language. Light, it's codes, really light, like, light language. Yeah. Like how the hell do you learn those things? Like it's so fascinating, but um, she, she sort of, she felt and sat on what I told her about my vision and it was so cool what, you know, mm-hmm. that, what it ended up being like that def- definition. So, and it was felt really relevant for this time of life because you and I were talking about how exhausted we've been and other people who yes. I know who will listen, who will listen, who are also healers on this planet and who have come to like help the collective and mm-hmm. they're in, they're on their own spiritual journey. We have all felt this lion's gate like energy going into Venus retrograde. And so I think having things like leaning back on meditation and knowing Mm -hmm. what modalities work for you during different times, the only way you know that is by exploring and experimenting, right? Yeah. And, you know, going you know, you're saying about being tired. I just, I had a thought as you were saying that, you know, with the, the fires happening in Hawaii right now, um, so mm-hmm. tragic, you know, that, that's a, oh, that's oh. a collective, that's a collective energy we're feeling right now, you mm-hmm. know, feeling the sadness, the tiredness, the weight of that. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe let's put a, can we put a link in the show notes for like a donation place for that? Yeah. It's very much on Maui. my part right now. Yeah. Ma- for, Maui strong. For all Me of too. that I... going on because that's something mm-hmm. like, you know, even though we're not physically there, like we feel energetically, um, the effects of that and how people are hurting uh-huh. and in pain right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And donations are needed and all sorts Yeah. Of, they need, they need of... that assistance. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. We'll so. do that. Maui show notes. Got it. <laughs> Maui, Maui. What else? Have, what else was, yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. So as you're talking about the EMDR therapy, you know, you kind of mentioned that, um, have we ever talked about brain spotting? Have I ever talked with you about brain spotting? No, no. Okay, so um, brain spotting, like you, like is, like you've you've mentioned it, but like we haven't had a conversation yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So brain spotting is is similar to EMDR, but it takes it a step further. Um, it uses rapid eye movement to um, heal the neural pathways. And again, I'm probably going to butcher this, but this is a very scientific based therapy um, that's kind of emerging. Um, and I've had several sessions with a practitioner of brain spotting therapy, and it basically helps your brain rework trauma narratives mm-hmm. and release trauma. Um, it's fascinating. It's so fascinating. Um, I've had a couple of sessions, and my very first session we worked on like self confidence. Um, my self confidence was so low, and we in the session. Um, some like childhood wounding came up around Mm self-confidence and it took a very deep and it was almost like a light switch in my brain Mm. after we worked on it. Mm -hmm. My self-confidence completely changed after that one session. Yeah. Wow. So taking you, you take up more space now you're not shrinking yourself and like, how does that self-confidence lay out for you with, in your daily life or being a mom? Um, for me, it kind of looks like being unapologetic, Mm -hmm. um, acknowledging that I have important things to say and I bring a lot to the table, um, Mm -hmm. and owning it and being unafraid to show it. Mm. I love that. Does spirituality play any role in like your dating life or like, well, you're, we're both sort of focused on being moms <laughs> right now and, and yeah. focused on our own, our own healing journey, but does spirituality, is it important for you in, you know, if, and when you decide to share a life again with somebody or as you on your dating process, like, yeah, it is. It's very important to me. Um, in the past, it hasn't been important to me. 
Mm -hmm. and really someone's relationship with spirituality is their own so um how that looks just like religion right just like religion how that looks for the person I end up dating or people I end up dating um or partnering with um what it looks like for them is not necessarily as important as being someone who does care about spirituality and being someone who is growth mindset oriented mm-hmm, totally because in the past why relationship one of the reasons like reasons relationships haven't worked out for me is because i am a growth oriented person and i'm mm-hmm. constantly shifting and i'm constantly evolving and mm-hmm. when you are partnered with someone who doesn't have that same um approach to life mm-hmm. they're not able to meet the ner- the new versions of you mm-hmm and as as you talk to people who've been together for a long time, mm-hmm. one of the reoccurring themes in people who've been together for a long time and have successfully had a healthy relationship together is being able to meet each other constantly as new versions of yourself. Mm. Because so the person that, that you does... met, the person that you yeah. met and fell in love with is not the uh-huh. same person 20 years later. Right. And so when we're in our ego place of being just 1D humanness, right? We're like, mm-hmm. they're never going to change. Or like, we're, we, we assume we know what they're going to react to because they always reacted that way. But mm-hmm. the one time they don't, you're like, what? Like, well, what the just, hell? You know, and as an example, like in my marriage, one of the reasons I avoided going to therapy was because I was so worried that if I went to therapy, it was going to push me away from the person I was with because (laughs) I was going to be growing Mm -hmm. and I knew that that person wasn't interested in the same kind of growth. And it was Mm going to put, there was, there was already a space between us, but it was going to like, of course, you know, my fear was that it was going to like put a wedge between us. Yeah. Um, and what ended up happening when I did go to therapy was, yeah, it it ultimately led to helping me make the decision to get a divorce because, um, you know, that, per- that individual said many times, you know, you've changed. You're not the same person that you were when mm-hmm. I met you. And thank God, um, almost, right? Like almost most- in a, yeah, <laughs> almost in an accusatory way of like, yeah, you've shifted and grown. And and my in my head, I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, because when we met, I was a college student who didn't have kids and hadn't become a mother and wasn't doing my spiritual journey. And like, yes, I have evolved. I've, I've mm-hmm. gone from being this somewhat responsible, but mostly like carefree, irresponsible college mm-hmm. student to becoming a stepmother, becoming a mother and trying to figure out who I am in the context of that and healing childhood trauma and figuring out what I want to do with my life and all of this in the course of eight years, no, I'm not the same person. Mm-hmm. Why would I be the same person? Right. Like I'm glad point. I'm not that person anymore. Cause that person right. when you met was so insecure and so unhappy with himself, mm-hmm. that it allowed this toxic relationship to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no, totally. So, it's like, we meet people where, you know, they are where they're initially, at. right? Yeah, yeah. Where they're at. And so the more I grow and the more I have a relationship with myself where I can take care of all my needs, I have a wonderful spiritual connection with myself. Mm-hmm. I am completely okay being alone. I enjoy mm-hmm. my own company. I enjoy mm-hmm. my quality time with my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy my career. Everything is in a space where I don't need partnership, mm-hmm. but if partnership were to happen, it would be important that person's adding to my life in a way that facilitates joy for both of us. And that looks like being able to have a spiritual connection and being mm-hmm. able to grow together and as individuals. Mm-hmm. 100%. So yeah, that was a long response to, yes, it's very important to me. <laughs> I know, totally. No, I think it is important. I mean, I, I mean, going forward, I definitely, you know, we have our non-negotiables, our requirement mm-hmm. list, you know, all that sort of stuff as you go through 
um, and the reality of being single and deciding, you know, or meeting somebody that can meet you, you know, where you are now. But I think I'd like to understand, like, I think that'll be the next evolution, obviously, is like when we're in these new relationships, I I think I want to like create something around the fact that yearly, maybe like, you know, hey, it's been a year. Let's like tap into where we are as human beings, like where we are in our own journey. It's like just opening those conversations up so that it's not 10 years down the line and you're like, you've changed. You know, it's like, hell yeah, I have. Isn't that awesome? Like, luckily for oh my me, gosh. I've changed. I'll never forget. Um, so I'm also a birth doula, right? And one of my right. very my very first births, um, about a year before I thought I started doing therapy for myself. Um, I was at a birth, a very long birth with a midwife. And um, in the process, like at some point in time, it was like a 52 hour birth. And at some mm-hmm. point in time, um, she said, Oh, I completely forgot to let my partner and our therapist know I'm not going to make it to our therapy session. And I was like, Oh my gosh, therapy, are you and your partner? Okay. And like, what's wrong? You know, cause like we have right. this, this, this um, right. narrative that like, if you're going to therapy, something must be wrong. Right. If you're a couple. Right. And she just laughed. She's like, Oh no, nothing. Like everything's fine. She's like, you know, we're just having, we're having our first baby and we've been together for 10 years. And she was like, we just want to make sure that we're on the same page as we're in this process of not only birthing our child, but like birthing ourselves as individuals and partners oh, into this that. new chapter of our life. And that was so impactful for me when I heard that. I was like, wow, wait, you mean you're using therapy to prevent a problem? Right. And prevent addressing a problem, like, Mm -hmm. which is so, like, like, interesting, like, parallel of, like, how we practice, like, with our medical system in the U.S. of, like, Mm -hmm. preventative care is needed instead of addressing the problem when it arises. Correct. <laughs> it's the same like thing eat, with eating, yeah. yeah. Like eating an apple a day, like they used to say, you know, would prevent yeah. whatever. But it's And that's still, how it's... I view my mm-hmm. spiritual journey. My mm-hmm. spiritual journey is not only for healing the past, but it's also like a preventative form of self-care. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah. It's so fun. I really, um, I really hope more people, you know, lean into some different types of modalities and find, find, find joy in that process because it does not have to be painful. It's not Mm -hmm. as if you are sitting in therapy for, um, something that happened traumatic. You're literally finding new ways to help regulate yourself or to, or to even like, I find that meditation is just helpful. Like I'm just battling like a little, like, I don't know if I want to do this or that, or if this is good for me or not. And sometimes just a 10 minute meditation will give me the answer. Like it's not, it's just utilizing it for light, like everyday kind of life. Like you just start inserting these um, modalities, whether it's taking a walk because you just need to figure you just need some time to like process something, you know? Yeah. And, so think, and you know, so even like if there is, yeah. And even if there is like painful things or things you have to sit with, understanding and recognizing that like avoiding pain causes deeper pain. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, when you're avoiding pain and that comes from healing, you're just kind of getting stuck within yourself mm-hmm. and it causes more pain and more avoidance and then it you know continues out into your relationships and and so yeah healing is painful but the other side of of healing feels better than avoiding it yeah it was it's interesting because a few a friend of mine and I were talking I think a couple of days ago and we were talking about how going to therapy You'd write down everything that you want to uncover or work on and things like that. And then, and then you get to a point in all that journey where you just are like, oh, this is coming up for me. Let me just sit in it and Mm. work through it and Mm -hmm. then see if it needs to be discussed more for 
the next therapy session or whatnot? Or do I just need to journal about it and just get it out of my head? Sometimes um, I, I just like that I can tap into so many different things to to mm-hmm. uncover and to explore and to dissect. I really love dissecting shit. Like I like, because I feel like I, 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 I move through it so much faster. Once I just acknowledge like, Oh, I suck in that moment. Now let me figure out why <laughs> I suck in that moment and, or why this fucking hurts or why whatever. And then, you know, dig into it. And whether it's through friend conversation, like you and I, like sometimes it's just, I need you. And you're like, okay. And then, you know, we talk about it and then you're like, hold on. That really helped me <laughs> go. That yeah. actually helped me. Like I love, like sometimes for me, I like to talk through it all also mm-hmm. like having good friends to do that with. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that can be so important. And that goes back to like our very first episode talking about uh-huh. the importance of having a community of people mm-hmm. who can lift you up and support you in those moments. It's Thank true. you for being like- my person. <laughs> Yay! Thank you for being mine. It's so fun. Um, no, this has been such a fun freaking conversation. I mean, I just can't wait to bring more people into it that yeah. have specialties in it. And yeah, I love sharing this stuff. It's been this has been a really juicy conversation, and I really want to hear, like, if anything we've talked about has inspired someone to try it. Like, let us know mm-hmm. what your experience is with it and how it resonated mm-hmm. for you, or. Um, if you if you have something to add to this conversation, let us know. Yeah, the other part is I I yeah, if there's something that's been working for you, I'd love to hear that as well. Cause there's a lot of people who are already on their path and there's you know, they're not comparing themselves to anyone else's journey. They're just doing their journey. And so yeah. I think that would be really fun to hear from people and and how they manage if they're religious and go to church still and still and then other and dip into other parts of spirituality. Like I'm curious how people blend blend it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a fascinating topic. It is. Well, thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. <laughs> um, love you. And uh, hey, everybody, thanks for listening. And again, with our podcast, what do we want them to do, River? We want them to subscribe and share. <laughs> because sharing is caring <laughs> okay yeah um so yeah but we appreciate everybody <laughs> listening and and the notes we've gotten oh my god how sweet are these notes so sweet and i think that we should close us out by singing a little tune do it <laughs> do your thank tune. you thank you to our fun friends thank you to our fun friends <laughs> I appreciate you and I look forward to talking again soon. Bye friend. Bye.